Proverbs chapter 2 is almost right in the middle of your Bible. If you open it up to the middle, and uh, you'll probably see Psalms. And then if you just keep flipping toward the right, uh, you'll get to Proverbs, and we'll be in chapter 2 today. Proverbs chapter 2. Let's begin reading in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. From men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman. From the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for gathering this group of people here on this morning, the first day of the new year. Lord, many of us, uh, if we've had any time to think at all, We've had the thought, I'd like for this year to be better than the last. I'd like to make some improvements to my routine or to my relationships or to my health. And yet nagging in the back of all of our minds is this reality that there's still something wrong at a deeper level than just what I do or what I say, or what I eat, or who I hang out with. And so, Father, this morning as we uh, engage with your word, I want to pray specifically for those listening to the sound of my voice this morning who have that sense of something is deeply wrong, deeper than just our behavior. Lord, I pray that for any in that situation that you would show through the truth of your word that the Lord Jesus Christ can come 
and transform us. The Holy Spirit can come and, and open our eyes to the truth and give us new life in Christ and change us gradually from one degree of glory to the next into the image of your Son so that we can live the way we were created to live. And Father, for everybody else, Lord, we still struggle with that, even knowing that Jesus has come and died for our sins and given us the Holy Spirit, and yet we still struggle with these issues of, well, does God really love me, knowing what he knows about me? And I pray that you would reassure our hearts this morning. And uh, if there's anything that you expose in our hearts, that the result of that would not be despair and uh, a sense of giving up but just a desire to repent and to walk in the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, open up your word to us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, with today being the first day of January, I imagine that a lot of you have probably thought about your physical health the last couple days. Uh, many people have been sick. Many who aren't sick just kind of feel bad because of what you've been eating. The week leading up to January 1st is typically a time when we feast on sweets and fatty foods and, and other types of things that we say no to the rest of the year, right? And of course, after a few big, rich meals with mashed potatoes and gravy and turkey legs and whatever it is that you like to eat on uh, Christmas week, and, and many of you have four or five different Christmas feasts that you go to, and, and when we've had that slice of pecan pie and then that second slice of pecan pie with whipped cream on top, we don't necessarily feel like we're in peak physical condition, and we start to think about how after the new year, things are going to change, right? This year, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose a few pounds or go down a size or two. I'm going to exercise regularly. I'm going to avoid eating so much bread, whatever it is. And fitness companies, gym owners, peddlers of exercise equipment, manufacturers of supplements or healthy foods all know that this is their chance, right? This is the time of year when people will pay attention to them and even plunk down their hard-earned cash in order to feel better and look better. And, uh, of course, as we all know, some of those things are worth more than, than others. There are some... Uh, that are gimmicks or fads. Some work for just a short time. Some don't work at all. Some require a lot of pain and suffering on our part. Some claim that it doesn't cost you a thing, that it's really easy and you'll get quick, painless results. But it's the results that we're after, right? We want to feel better. We want to look better. We want to live longer. Fit into our favorite clothes, whatever it is. We want results. And folks, the same is true in the spiritual realm, isn't it? There are lots of so-called experts out there who promise that if you do A, B, or C, that you will have a healthier spiritual life this year. You'll experience great spiritual benefit. And some of that advice is really good, and some of that advice is really not that great at all. But this morning, I want us to focus on one thing that each of us can do in 2023 that will have a lasting impact on our spiritual health, that will bring about real results. I mean, if you're here this morning on New Year's Day, it, it tells me that you are serious about your relationship with the Lord, that you are serious about your spiritual health, or that you were dragged here by somebody who is, right? <laughs> but there's one thing that you can do this year 
knowing that you want to be closer to God, that may have a greater impact on your spiritual health than just about anything else. Our, our passage sort of spells it out for us. So what I want to do is take some time to understand what is that one thing, and then we're actually going to see from our passage five specific wonderful benefits that come when we engage in this one thing from Proverbs chapter 2. So let's get started. What's the one thing that you can do this year that will bring about real results in your spiritual life? Let's find out. Consider the passage as a whole. You may have noticed as we read through slowly Proverbs chapter 2 that it follows a very simple logical flow. There is a cause and there is effects. Uh, There's a movement from if to then. If then. If you do this, then you'll get these results. The then section is the result of the if section. So if we want to know what the one thing is that we need to do, we have to look at the if section. And the if section is found in the beginning of the passage in in verses 1 through 4. The sage says, my son, if. Okay, who's speaking here? Most likely this is King Solomon himself, the son of David, the ruler of the 12 tribes of Israel in the middle of the 10th century B.C., Solomon, of course, was famous for his great wisdom. We're told in 1 Kings 4.29 that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond, beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. We're also told that he wrote 3,000 Proverbs. The very first verses of the book of Proverbs identify Solomon, King Solomon, as the author. So even though there are a few chapters that are specifically attributed to somebody else later in the book, it seems clear that this part is written by Solomon and it's addressed to his son. Think about that. What we read here in Proverbs chapter 2 is the insight of the wisest man ever to live and it is the, the, it's, it's just a distillation of the most important things that he could pass down to his sons who are going to be, one of whom is going to be the next king. What does he plead with his son to do? My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Notice the verbs. Receive. Treasure. Be attentive. Incline your heart. Call out. Raise your voice. Seek. Search for. What should we receive? What should we treasure? What should we search for? What should we call out for? Solomon says, my words, my commandments, insight, wisdom, namely the inspired utterances of a man who is speaking the very word of God. And if I can just extrapolate from Solomon to anybody else speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as we're told in, in, the, uh, in 2 Peter, that holy men of God spoke as they were moved and carried along by the Holy Spirit, that, that if I can just kind of pull away from Solomon and look at all of Holy Scripture, I can say that we, this passage is telling us to receive the Word of God, to treasure the Word of God, to incline our hearts to the Word of God, to call out for the word of God, to search for the word of God like you're searching for buried treasure. 
And so if we can just make this as simple as possible, what's the one thing that you can do in 2023 that could have a greater impact on your spiritual health than just about anything else? It's to engage with the Word of God. It's to receive the words of this book, to treasure, to mine the depths of this book, to get into the Word of God and to find the gold and the gems and read it and ponder it and memorize it and study it so that you might understand. Do you, need, do you know that you need to do that today? Have you made a commitment to engage with the Bible this year? to study it, to read more of it, to memorize large portions of Scripture, to perhaps read it in a fresh translation so that you get the sense of what it means, to read it daily, to read it consistently and faithfully, to write down a question or an insight every now and then, to spend five or ten minutes praying for the illumination of the Holy Spirit so that he, could, he might help you understand what God has for you from the Bible. Let's do it this year. Let's engage with God's word. Let's treasure it. Let's long for it. What will happen if we do this? What's going to happen if you make the decision in 2023 to engage with the word of God all year long? There are five specific benefits that this passage pulls out for us. First of all, from verses five through eight, if you engage with the word of God this year, you can grow in your personal relationship with the God of the universe. You can grow in your personal relationship with God. Verse 5 tells us that if you do this, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is not uh, a simple concept. It's sort of one of these phrases that represents a whole constellation of ideas, but if I can just sum it up, it's this idea of having a real relationship with God with God, reverencing, respecting God, worshiping God, hating the things that God hates. It's the fear of the Lord. It's, it's, a, it's more than an emotional response to God's fearsome character. It is a relationship with him. It's the difference between a fan. He knows his favorite pitcher's ERA. He knows the, when his rookie year was and, and kind of how he's doing this year. What's his record? That's a fan. And then a friend who maybe gets invited to Thanksgiving dinner and play wiffle ball out with the family in the yard afterwards. Do you see the difference? One's a fan. He knows about him. The other one's a friend. He knows him personally. And what God is saying in this passage is, if we engage with the word of God, then we can grow not just knowing about God, but knowing him personally. We can grow in our relationship with God. Think about the person you most want to know. Maybe someone you have a romantic interest in. Uh, you've seen her there in the hallways at school. You've talked with her for maybe 30 seconds here and there. But there's something about her that really makes you think, man, she is wonderful. I want to get to know her. I want to spend time with her. I, wanna, I want her to get to know me. I want to have more of a relationship with her. Maybe that person is somebody that you want to imitate, a woman who has been married for 25 or 30 years and she has two or three kids that she's raised well and she seems to have confidence in her own skin and uh, her marriage seems like it's a good marriage and you think, you know, I, I want to spend time with that woman. I want to, maybe her character will rub off on me. Maybe it's somebody that you find really interesting. His life 
experience fascinates you. He always has a story. He's really lived life, and you think it would just be a privilege to be able to hang out with him and hear him talk every now and then and share some of his life experience with you. But think about that person. Who is the person that you most want to know? Somebody that you'd like to know better than anybody else, more than anybody else, whoever it is, whatever draws you to them, I'm sure they're wonderful. But folks, they're only wonderful because they were made by the most wonderful being in all of existence. God is far wiser, far more beautiful, far more glorious, far more creative and interesting than the most wonderful person you've ever met. I mean, to have a friendship with someone who is even one-tenth as wonderful as God would be like just a privilege. You would drop everything to have a relationship with a person like that. And yet, this wonderful, good, wise, mighty massive God invites you to have a real relationship with him. You can be not just a soldier in his army, yes, sir, but a son or a daughter seated around his table. That is huge. You can know him and be known by him and have a relationship with him. And if you want that, it's very simple. There's something very simple you can do in order to have a relationship that's growing with God. Engage the Word of God. Read the Bible. You have to receive His words and treasure up His commandments with you. Creation tells us that there is a God, that He's mighty and good. We can see that as we walk around. I mean, what a beautiful morning it's been. You you drive past these trees and you look uh, at the blue sky and the clouds floating by and you think, man, God exists and He must be good. He must be powerful and mighty. But In order to really know his character, we have to come to this book and know him. There's nothing more important than knowing God. There is no way to know God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, By the way, uh, Jesus said to his uh, hearers, they testify, the scriptures testify about me. He showed them from Moses and the prophets all the things concerning himself. If you want to have a relationship with God, it's got to be through Jesus Christ. And if you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to engage the Bible. Now, I, I just want to make one more comment as an aside uh, before we move on to the next benefit, and that's this. Go back to that first phrase, my son, in the beginning of the chapter. That phrase is very important because when you read through the book of Proverbs, even if you're not a Christian, and I realize there may be some of you here this morning who are not believers in Jesus, but if you read through the book of Proverbs, even if you're not a Christian, you'll get a lot of benefit from the things that are written in this book. But what we need to understand, friends, is that it is directed toward those who are in a covenant relationship with God. Uh, we're told in the, in the very first chapter, this is the, these are the Proverbs of King Solomon, the king of Israel, and he's speaking to his sons. In other words, he has a family relationship with these individuals. These words are directed toward the family of God. And I just want to invite you, if you're not a Christian, to enter into the family of God. That, what that means is, Simply to say, God made me, and I'm accountable to him. I've sinned. I've broken his commands. I can't fix it myself. I believe that he sent Jesus in the world to live for me and die for me. I believe that God raised him from the dead, and I'm calling out to him now and saying, God, would you please forgive me? Because Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And, and the Bible tells us that as many as receive him, 
who call on his name, he gives the right to be called the children of God. So when we read my son, we can say, that's for me. That's for me. But anyway, if we engage the scripture, we can grow in our relationship with God. So that's benefit number one. You'll grow in your relationship with God. Benefit number two, if you engage the word of God this year, you will understand how to make right decisions. You will understand how to make right decisions. Notice verse 9. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Wouldn't it be nice to understand equity and justice, real justice? How do we do that? We engage with the word of God. Every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart. What is wisdom? We've talked about this many times here at Indian Creek. It's a specific type of knowledge. You can know persons. You can know facts. And wisdom is a different type of knowledge. Wisdom is, I know a skill. I know how to do something. And in this case, it is the skill of living in God's world. I am going to grow in wisdom. I'm going to gain that type of knowledge that helps me navigate life and make good decisions. And if you want to be that type of person who makes good decisions, decisions in your life this year, you've got to engage with the Word of God. How are we supposed to know the right path? How are we going to make right decisions? I think about all the decisions that you'll have to make in this next year. Many of them are very significant. Should I marry this person or not? Where should I go to school? Should we buy this house or should we wait a year? I have an opportunity to make more money if we move to a different state. Should we go to the different state or should we stay here and and make less money? What about the kids? How am I going to guide them through their formative years? How do I help them avoid the seductive ideologies of the world? What about the kids' school? What kind of school should I do? Should I homeschool? Should I put them in public school? Should I put them in a Christian school? How do I know? How much time should we invest in sports or other extracurriculars? I mean, I could go on and on and on. What kind of medical treatment should I have? Should I do this treatment or that treatment? We have to make all these significant decisions that impact our life and impact all the people around us. How are we going to know which is right? And I know if you love the Lord, you want to make the right decisions. Uh, There are so many so-called Christians, they don't care about that. They just do what they want to do, and then they try to find a Bible verse that backs up what they already want to do. You've met people like this. But if you really love the Lord, you want to make the right decision. And if you want to do that, you're going to have to engage with the Word of God. Think about Solomon himself. Uh, Solomon, as we've already said, he was the wisest man ever to live, right? But he comes toward the end of his life. As the years wear on, he nearly ruins it all. He did exactly what the word of God said not to do. He multiplied his wives. He multiplied his army. He multiplied the gold in his treasuries, the three things Moses told him not to do. What happened to Solomon? What was was the thing that set him off the rails? Well, Solomon didn't follow his own counsel. Proverbs 19.27. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. In other words, what did Solomon do? What was his problem? He listened to God's word. He engaged with the scriptures until one day he decided, I don't need to do that anymore. I already know what the Bible says. I already understand who God is, and I, need to, and I don't need to do it anymore. And he warns against this in Proverbs chapter 1. He said, let the wise hear and increase in learning. Folks, you might be the wisest person in your entire 
social circle, but if you stop hearing, if you stop listening, if you stop engaging with the word of God, if you say, I'm good, I already know that stuff, I don't need to hear any more preaching, I don't need to crack my Bible open anymore, because I already know God, then you will stray from the path of righteousness. How many Christians... Hungry for the word in their youth or middle age, grow tired of learning, impatient with those around them, unwilling to receive instruction, and in their old age, they become proud and rebellious. Can you think of anything more tragic than that? Don't be that Christian. Don't say, I already read through the Bible, I'm okay, I don't need to do that anymore. Don't say, I've already heard these sermons, because if you want to ensure that you're making right decisions, that you're following the right path, you've got to stay in the Word. Keep going in the Bible this year. What will happen if you engage the Bible this year? You'll grow in your relationship with God. You'll understand how to make right decisions. Thirdly, you will be delivered from harmful partnerships. You will be delivered from harmful partnerships. Verse 12, you'll be delivered from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Some of you have lived long enough to understand just how devastating it can be if you get involved in a partnership of some kind with a person who is wicked and evil. I mean, it can destroy so many aspects of your life. To brush aside the warnings of the wise and say, no, I think he has a good heart. And ignore what all these people around you are saying and just moving forward with that person. And then a year or two later, you realize he's a devil. And I don't mean to say, if you've suffered in that way, I don't mean to say that that's your fault. But folks, wouldn't you want to know in advance how to avoid those types of harmful partnerships. Don't you want to know? Don't you want to be protected from evil men who twist their words, who seem trustworthy but are actually vipers? Wouldn't you rather know beforehand whether your business partner is going to rob you or whether your favorite podcast creator is a wolf in sheep's clothing? It doesn't happen by magic. It happens when we walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit of God, engage with the Word of God, and He grows us in spiritual wisdom, and we begin to exercise discernment in our relationships, and we are protected and delivered from these harmful partnerships. can't tell you how many times as a pastor I hear people go on about the latest so-called Christian book, or about the preacher on TV, or about somebody they have a romantic interest in, or about a new business partnership, and I, and I just think, if you would just read the Bible, you would know that that's going to lead you down a path of harm and suffering. Folks, don't let it be you. Engage with the Word of God, because when we do that, we will be delivered from harmful partnerships. Fourthly, what happens when we engage with the Word of God? You will be delivered from sexual sin. You will be delivered from sexual sin. Verse 16, you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Now, it would be very easy for us to, to misunderstand a verse like this, and there are many like it in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Solomon says, you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, and it would be easy for us to understand this to mean that somehow men are 
you know, good, and if it weren't for these women, you know, we would be okay. That's not what he's saying at all, okay? Uh, read it in the original context. This is, so- this is Solomon speaking to his young adult sons, okay? So for them, they need to hear about the forbidden woman. And if you're here and you're a 63-year-old woman, maybe, maybe you need to hear, maybe you need to put yourself and, and kind of apply it to yourself in a different way. It's not that women are bad. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this is sort of the specter of sexual sin that is deadly for us. And, and what he's saying is, in this picturesque and concrete language, in the language of real life, he's not intending to leave somebody out. He's saying that immorality traps her victims in a deadly snare. And so whether you're a young man in his 20s, like Solomon's sons maybe were, or someone in a different stage of life or a different gender, we all need to be on guard against this. Notice that this woman is deadly, and I can't think of anything more countercultural than the Bible's repeated claim that sexual sin is deadly. He says, none who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. One of the fastest paths to hell, folks, and you can mark it down. Listen, one of the fastest paths to hell is the path of sexual sin. And our world says, no, that's not true, but it is true. Proverbs 5, 20 through 23, why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Proverbs 6 32 and 33, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. Wounds and dishonor will he get, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. Proverbs 7, 24 through 27, and now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Proverbs 9, 13 through 18, the woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5, 5, and 6, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Folks, I could go on and on. That's just a small helping of what the Bible teaches about the dangers, the deadliness of sexual immorality. And yet our culture, even our Christian culture, has catechized us, has trained us to think differently. 
even in the church, into believing that sexual sin is a completely victimless sin. That is a genius lie from the devil. He has been working on that for centuries, and he's just about got us all duped, doesn't he? Parents who would crawl out of their skin if they were watching a football game and they saw their son take a helmet-to-helmet hit, they would, they would flip out. They laugh it off when they see their son carrying around the phone, carrying it into his bedroom, that window into a world of immorality. They just, it doesn't bother them at all. We spend thousands on insurance, on firearms, on ammunition to protect our families in the event of a burglary or in the instance of government overreach. We want to protect the people that we love. We build fences around our property to protect our livestock. We install sensors on our windows and cameras on our entryways. But when it comes to the deadliest dangers, the dangers of sexual immorality, we open the door wide. We say, come on in, world. This is a mistake. And all the medications and the birth control methods and other strategies that make us feel like we're in control and we're safe and there aren't going to be any negative consequences to our sin, they are, the, the devil's using even them because he's blinding us to the fact that this is deadly, folks. You say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think that that's true. You know why you think that? It's because you've been paying more attention to this than this. If you will engage the word of God this year, you won't think that way. You'll begin to see the dangers. And this book will protect you. God's given you a way to find healing. By the way, I know for many of us, this is a source of guilt, a source of shame. And my intention isn't to make you feel guilty and feel ashamed and just feel bad about yourself. My intention is to warn you of the dangers and, and show you that you can find hope and healing and forgiveness and move forward in obedience and joy from this day forward. There's only one way to do that. It's through our relationship with God. It's through forgiveness. It's through going to him. And it's through having a, a relationship with him by engaging in his word. Treasure the Bible. Engage the Bible, search the Bible. It will bring you great benefit. It will strengthen your relationship with God. It will equip you to make right decisions. It will protect you from harmful partnerships. It will deliver you from sexual sin. Fifthly, if you treasure the word of God this year, you'll experience God's blessing. You'll experience God's blessing. Uh, look uh, at what Solomon says in verse 20. He says, So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. What is he saying? He's saying that if you receive the word of God, if you call out to God for understanding, if you engage with the Bible, then you'll inhabit the land. What does that mean? That land, that idea of land, it's one kind of representative concept that that, that calls to mind all the blessings and the promises of God. Inhabiting the land, it, it represents all of God's blessings. It represents a new Eden in which God's people walk with him in the cool of the day and the curses of sin are reversed. It's not just living on a nice property. It is walking with God in fellowship with him and with his people. And what he's saying is, if you will engage the word of God this year, if you are a child of God in Christ and you read your Bible and you engage with it this year, then you'll experience the blessings that God promises in his word. You'll inhabit the land. 
when we engage with the Bible, when we hide it in our hearts, when we ask the Spirit to open our eyes to its truth, that we come to understand the grace of God in Christ. He himself is our peace. He broke down the wall between God and man, between brother and brother. In the Bible, we learn that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And if we choose to pay attention to all these other things instead, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm cutting myself off from the blessings that God has for me in the pages of the Bible. Don't do that. Guys, don't you want the blessing of God, the blessings of Eden this year, then please engage with God's word. Now, listen, I know I, I, many of you walked into this room and you're probably tired and you, were, you weren't thinking about making a big change in your life today. You were just coming to church because that's what you always do or because somebody dragged you here or whatever it is. But I just want to encourage you to pause and think and make a decision today. Make a decision to make 2023 the year that you get in the Bible. And I realize that for many of you, this stuff is brand new. And you're thinking, you know what, I could do that, but I'm old enough to know when I make a decision, a resolution, I stick with it for a week or two, and then it's over, and I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with it. So let me just, before we conclude, let's just give some practical ways that we can start. How do I get started? And by the way, this is just advice. This is guidance. Everybody has a different personality. You have a different schedule from the next person. And so what works for you may be a little bit different from what works for me. But let me just give this as a practical set of advice for you to get started in engaging the Word of God. Practically speaking, here are a few things. Number one, set aside a time. Number one, set aside a time. For me, that's first thing in the morning before I do anything else because my day tends to uh, kind of build up with things to do, things to think about, and I don't start my work day that early, uh, as early as some of you do. So for me, it works very well for me to start my day in the Word of God. But you need to set aside a time. Uh, set aside about 30 minutes. If you block off 30 minutes and things start to crowd in and get in the way of that 30-minute period of time, you'll at least get 10 or 15 minutes. But if you only set aside 10 minutes, you're going to miss a lot of days. Set aside 30 minutes or more. Set aside that time. You may have to decide what you're not going to do instead of reading the Bible. Uh, but set aside that time, and you will have a consistent time in the Word of God every day. Number two, lose the phone. Lose the phone. Uh, I know. You can get the Bible on your phone. I have it on my phone. Uh, but for most people, and I look around, everybody in here, you guys look like wonderful people, but you're probably not any more disciplined than the next person, okay? You probably need this advice. Because if you're like me, and you're reading the Bible on your phone, and you get a text message, or a notification, or you see uh, that, that you could click on Twitter and check some sports scores or whatever it is, you're going to be distracted from the Bible, and that is not helpful for you. So here's what I need to do, and this is what you may need to do as well. I have to set my phone on a table in a completely different room in order for me to read the Bible, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. Set aside your phone. Set aside a time. Set aside your phone. Lose the phone. Number three, make a plan. Make a plan. Don't do that thing where you open up the Bible and you know, just kind of let it fall open and then you go, all right, 
Uh, keep your feast, O Judah, fulfill your vows. All right, I'm good. Don't do that. Listen, it's better than nothing. But what, what, what you're doing when we do that is we're treating the Bible like it's a magic book. And it's not a magic book. This is the Word of God written to us in human language. And just like any other human book, it has a flow to it. It's got a sequence to it. It's arranged in a certain way. And so you've got to read it in its context. And the best way to do that is to make a plan. There are many ways that you can do this. Uh, Andrew uh, basically preached my sermon already earlier in the ser- uh, service. Uh, he mentioned our website. You can go to our website, click on the menu button, and then select Bible reading. And there are five or six different plans that you can use. Uh, for me, I just use bookmarks, and I just read where my bookmark is and keep going. Uh, in sequence through the Bible. But for you, if you've never done it before, here's what I would encourage you to do. Decide, I'm going to read through the New Testament this year. Uh, it's very, it's, it's short. It's not even the whole Bible. It's, it's just a short portion of the Bible, all right? And you can do that in one year. If you've not done that before, uh, that will get you into the habit of Bible reading. Make a plan. Number four, Pray a simple prayer every day. Lord, open my eyes to understand what I'm reading so that I can know you more. Just do that every day. This is probably should be number one. Every single day, you get up, you open your Bible, and just call out to the Lord and say, God, I need to know what this is saying. I need to understand it. Would you please help me to understand? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that has to come in and open our eyes and help us to understand these things and how they apply to our lives. So pray that simple prayer every day. Lord, open my eyes to understand what I'm reading so that I can know you more. And then number five, uh, just a practical tip. Start today. Start today. I know you've got to maybe make a plan, and, and if you're the type of person who likes plans and you like to have the right color highlighter, and maybe you need to go to the Christian bookstore and get a cute little journal uh, that has just the right amount of flowers on the front, that's great. But if that keeps you from starting, then it's not great. So while you're forming your plan, you can start today. And I, I would be willing to bet, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I would think that each one of you has 30 minutes today where you could get alone with God behind a closed door and open up the Bible and just get started. Start today. Uh, So I hope those are just five things. I'm sure that that there are other ways that you could practically um, encourage somebody to engage with the Word of God, but start today. Uh, Folks, this has been just a really practical message. And... It's a simple thing just to get started in this. But here's what I want to do. Uh, I would like for us to just take a few moments to sit there and do business with the Lord and ask him, God, what do you want me to do with this? And then I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to do that. All right? So here's what I want us to do. Andrew's going to come. Uh, He's going to play some music. And I'm going to give you maybe 30 seconds, 60 seconds to just sit there silently responding to God. And then uh, while we sing, 
I want to encourage you to enlist the help of your church family in making this commitment. And the way that we're going to do that is just by gathering here in the front, okay? Uh, and so you don't have to do that, but here's what I would just encourage you to do. You, you say, you know, I want to make a commitment to engage with the Word of God this year. I want to get in my Bible, and I know that if I just rely on myself, it's not going to happen. I need God's help, and I need the help of God's people. And so just in humility to be able to say, I'm going to show, I'm going to tell everybody that I need help. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to come to the front, and I'm going to kneel before the Lord and make this commitment. And, uh, and we're going to make this commitment together.